Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comics Force podcast. I'm your host, Jace. I'm Manny. Good to have you back, Manny. Uh, been a while. Yeah, good to be back. And if you're watching this on uh, the YouTube, LRM YouTube channel, you'll see Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I think I warned everybody on on the New Comics Wednesday episode that we would be talking about this in depth, in detail. Every week on Fridays, there will be a Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunter spotlight. We'll be talking about that week's issue, and uh, it's it's off to a good start. So, Absolutely. Let me go ahead and uh, share my screen. <clears throat> if you if you are watching it on uh, on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. Uh, that great cover by uh, Steve McNiven, which says "After Stephen Platt," uh, who is uh, or after S. Platt, Stephen Platt, who's an artist that was pretty popular in the '90s, uh, and it's it's great. You know, it's it's Boba Fett and all his glory. Uh, we've got Han Solo behind him in carbonite big explosions and, and whatnot, a lot of detail in the Mandalorian armor of Boba Fett. And, you know, I, I talked a little bit on Wednesday about this, about how, when you think about it, Boba Fett's appearances in uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, I, I don't even know if they add up to five minutes total screen time, but right. yet he, for some reason, somehow, some way, captured the imagination of Star Wars fans. He's one of the most popular enduring characters and so i'm not surprised to see uh, marvel do this you know hey let's tell the story of what happens between the time boba fett leaves the cloud city on bespin and you know in, in the movie canon we don't see him again until he's standing in jabba's palace so what happened in the meantime right it could, it could have been as simple as boba fett just flew from cloud city to Jabba's palace got paid and decided to hang out. It really seemed like something Boba Fett <laughs> would do, honestly. Um, but we're going to find out what went on. And um, Charles Soule is a, a huge Star Wars fan, a, an incredibly talented writer. So he, I think he's the perfect choice to, uh, to write the series. And uh, this alpha prelude issues any indication it's going to be a one heck of a, a fun ride um and and you know as a kid I, I kind of thought boba fett was cool too maybe not to the extent some other people like went nuts for him um but he you know he was interesting enough that scene in in empire when darth vader turns to them and there's like ig88 and bosk and boba fett he, he was the coolest looking of the bounty hunters for sure <laughs> maybe it was you know the mysteriousness of the helmet that mandalorian armor or whatnot but clearly, you know, Lucasfilm and the, the creators of Star Wars knew that they were onto something because when you start talking about the the prequels, you know, they they leaned into that whole mythos with Jango Fett and seeing Boba Fett as a kid and, and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, he if anybody on the villain <laughs> side other than and you could make the argument that Boba Fett's not necessarily a villain, you know, he's a, a bounty hunter. Um, but other than Darth Vader. Boba Fett, probably the one non-rebellion um, character who could really carry his own title for an extended run. Um, obviously, Dr. Aphra is, is very popular as well, um, but she's an actual creation of the comics. Not, you know, she's not a, a character mm -hmm. um, from the movies themselves. So I don't know, other than Boba Fett, at least from the original trilogy who you could really create a series about a non-rebellion character that could carry it. You know, you could make the argument for Darth Maul, but he's not in the original trilogy. I they don't already know. did it though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, they, they already have several Darth Maul um, series. Uh, I think they even before Marvel had the property, Darth Maul had some series. I don't know anybody in the, <laughs> in the three latest movies. I don't even know what we call them. The sequels. I don't know, but seven, eight, nine, I, I don't, I can't think of anybody. And again, I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan of the world. I, I like it well enough, um, but I'd read a Boba Fett series. I don't know that I'd read a Darth Maul series. Obviously, I'd read a Darth Vader series. I did. It was great. Both the Charles Soule mm -hmm. and the Kieran Gillen series were both great. I can't think of anybody in the 
the latest, the last three movies that I would read a series about. Certainly wouldn't read anything Kylo Ren. Um, <laughs> even, even if Charles Soule did it, I know it would be good, but he's just not a character that really interests me. Um, right. And I, 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 I struggle to remember the names of any of the others except for Huxley. Is that the, the other one of the other main villains? Obviously, um, I, I can't remember the name of the big giant guy who died in this in episode eight. Snoke? Snoke, there you go. I don't even know that I'd read anything about Snoke. So anyway, what I, I, all that to say, I like Boba Fett. He's popular. It's not a surprise, especially given the success of Mandalorian, that he's getting not only his own, you know, they didn't just say, hey, let's have a Boba Fett series mini. This is a whole event that's going to eventually cross over into the, all the Star Wars books. This is this is going to go on for four months. This is a big deal. So yep. uh, I don't know who else could carry this except for Boba Fett. So uh, anyway, that's kind of my background and my thoughts on the character in general. What about you, Manny? Were you always a big Boba Fett fan? Uh, he never really stood out to me that much. Uh, I was I, I, I like Star Wars fine. It, it's not. I'm more of a Trek guy. Same. Uh, I think I've said that a couple of times, but uh, to say that I, I think this story is going to be super intriguing because it, because of the fact that it's set up by the events of um, the Empire Strikes Back, you see you see the group of bounty hunters who who are already after uh, Han Solo, and and now we get to see the that it wasn't a walk in the park for. Uh, Boba Fett to take his uh, take his prize over to Jabba, and we'll talk about it in this issue, of course. But uh, it, it set it set up so wonderfully that uh, I'm hooked now for not only the the main storylines of the War of the Bounty Hunters, but I think I'm going to be picking up those uh, those side issues as well, so I can get the get the entire scope of it. it. It's just it's really simple because yeah, we know what the outcome is going to be. But because it's with a character like Boba Fett, you, 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 you're interested in the kind of adventures and, and, and mishaps he's going to get into. And that's what, that's what makes it so intriguing right? because you believe that he, he, he can make it. He's going to make it out one way or another. Uh, and, even, and even in, in Return of the Jedi, we see that he survived the, 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 the pit with a snarl. Arlac, yeah whatever pit <laughs> and and we see him back in the mandalorian uh so yeah i don't i don't know of any other character that has this this much versatility in star wars and yeah i, I was seven eight nine i wouldn't look for uh too closely there because i don't I, there there isn't many there uh i mean yeah that's that's the reason why that for to to launch disney plus and and actually holding it all together is the Mandalorian is Boba Fett. That's why the next Star Wars series is the book of Boba Fett. Uh, that's spinning off the Mandalorian because that's right now for Star Wars. That's that's the only thing being able to really say that it's, it's carrying the franchise. We'll see how the next properties do. Hell, Solo didn't do that well, and uh, and that's where we're at. I mean, right now we have a uh, um, bad batch, but I mean that's Dave Filoni's master work with with clone wars and and that and that storyline so um yeah i mean what's still being upcoming like the kenobi movie yeah the kenobi movie rogue squadron um no kenobi series sorry it's a series series now it's not a movie Mm -hmm. okay i don't think i don't is it still ewan mcgregor though yeah i believe so Um, well you bring up a couple of interesting points um I mean, part of the reason this interests me is because we, we don't have that feeling. Like, you know, yeah. when you think about like a, like forget about seven, eight, and nine, forget about the prequels even, which can be sort of divisive as well. Um, but those original three are still just as good, e- even though Lucas went back and messed with them. Um, Cause originally in return of the Jedi, we had no idea that Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit. As far as we knew that was uh-huh. it. But as far as we knew, uh, as far as George Lucas himself knew, he wasn't going to make any more Star Wars movies. <laughs> right. You know, that, that was it. Um, but the thing is, despite all that, despite everything that's there in Empire and Return of the Jedi and even 
Star Wars, you know, episode four, uh, there's there's a missing chunk of the story, right? We don't know. He just that that he just skipped forward. You know, one movie ends with with uh, Han Solo frozen in carbonite. Boba Fett carts him off, and like I said, the next movie starts, and he's already in Jabba's palace. There's mm-hmm. built there's a built in kind of gap there. And the thing that Charles Soule, who loves these movies as much as any of us fans, probably more, um, the tone that he establishes right away in this book is one that suits that time frame and suits those movies really, really well. And it's one thing that, that Marvel did really, really well when they got the license from Dark Horse. You know, obviously Disney owns Lucasfilm, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It made sense D- Disney owns Marvel that when the license ran out of Dark Horse that they would pull this in. Controversial decision Marvel made was, hey, all, all the stuff that Dark Horse produced, it's non-canon. You know, it's that only yeah. the Marvel stories are actually canon approved by Lucasfilm, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and then they immediately launched the Star Wars series that was set after episode four, but before Return of the Jedi. You know, they're again, they're trying to fill in some gaps. That's exactly what this is doing. So, uh, yeah, really, really great. Let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, obviously, you'll be able to see. Otherwise, uh, you'll just have to listen along to what uh, we're talking about. We get a great looking uh, screen crawl on the first page. Does Boba Fett, the galaxy's most dangerous hunter, claims the bounty of notorious smuggler and rebel officer Han Solo? Jabba the Hutt's eagerly awaits Fett's delivery of Solo's carbonite frozen body to Tatooine, where the crime lord will exact his final revenge. Han Solo's debt is thus paid, but Boba is desperate for a payday himself. So I find that to be interesting. Han Solo's debt is thus paid. Like, in order to pay his debt to Jabba, he's paying with his literal self. (laughs) So I I don't know that I would say that's Han Solo paying his debt because it's so involuntary, but that's what the screen crawl says, regardless. Uh, so as we as we turn the page, we see that uh, Hut is in his ship, or uh, Boba Fett rather is in his ship. He's flying from you know one place to another. He's speaking with somebody. He says, you know, I have the package. The voice on the other end of the line we learn is uh, Bib Fortuna, and he's he's confirming, okay, you have the package. You're bringing him. He is alive, right? Like he's frozen in carbonite, but Jabba wants him alive. That's one of Jabba's stipulations. Jabba's got a cruel streak in him, you know. We know that. We we see what he did with Leia once he captured Princess Leia. He's not one to let grudges go, and really, not to defend Jabba the Hutt, but when you're a uh, kind of a a mob boss, even an intergalactic one in the Star Wars universe like Jabba, you show any weakness, you know, you're going to get devoured by your competitors. You kind of have to be ruthless. And all the way back in episode four, Jabba was warning uh, Han Solo, hey, pay me what you owe me. Um, and again, you can go look at the uh, the extended versions or George Lucas versions or whatever, where Jabba's, you know, uh, digitally and uh, added after and, you know, it fleshes out that stuff a little bit more. So anyway, while Boba Fett is speaking to Bib Fortuna, the... Uh, kind of the the framework of the carbonite starts beeping. There's an alarm going off. Bib Fortuna's like, is that an alarm? And Boba Fett's like, I'm going to have to call you back. And you can see he's kind of panicking, which is an interesting thing uh, throughout this book. And we'll talk more about it at the end. Uh, Charles Soule does a really good job of humanizing Boba <laughs> Fett here. You know, like there's this tendency to think of Boba Fett as uh, like all powerful, never makes mistakes, knows everything, you know, that that's not the case here. You know, he's, well, that's, that's simply the case because he never got screen time. Yeah. Yeah. People kind of invented um, how capable he was. So anyway, um, he says to, uh, he says to himself as this framework is beeping, he can't get it to stop. He says, nothing's ever simple. Right. It's not as simple as just picking up the body, take it as a job, get paid. No, nothing's ever simple. I think a lot of us can relate to that. Mm-hmm. And Charles Soule himself, the writer, when speaking about the series and kind of promoting how fun it's going to be and what a wild ride. This is the panel that 
that Charles Soule featured on the tweet. <laughs> it's going to be a wild ride. If you don't believe us, take it from Boba Fett. And then he, he used a, a screen capture of nothing's ever simple. So on the following page, we get the, uh, the credits. Big Giant Star Wars, where the bounty hunters alpha. Precious Cargo is the name of the, uh, the first issue, written by Charles Soule, as I mentioned. Great art by Steve McNiven. Colors are by Laura Martin. Letters are by Travis Lanham. Just so some people won't be confused, this is issue zero, not first issue. Yeah, it's it's considered a prelude. It's War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha. It doesn't actually have any number on the front cover. It just says uh, Alpha. But uh, I would suggest if you're planning on reading the, if you're planning on following this event, you should pick up this book. There's also a director's cut. Uh, yeah, mighty which, bold of them to release the director's cut on the same day as the regular book. <laughs> Yeah, I got both myself. Um, I mm -hmm. haven't read the director's cut yet, but most of the time, it, it, director's cut is going to have the script. No, it, it has it has the issue again in black and white, and just and it's just the panels. Like oh, it doesn't it doesn't have this? Well, that doesn't surprise me. Charles Soule is not usually one to release his scripts. I love there's it. There's like there's nothing special about the director's cut. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna look at it again right now as we're talking because. I don't want to be wrong. Other than, well, I mean, Steve McNevin's art is definitely worth the seeing. The cover is dope. I will say that. Yeah. Steve Steve McNevin's art is definitely worth seeing in black and white, but uh, that is a little Tony. disappointing. I, I like seeing the scripts because you can you can get sometimes more detail mm -hmm. in the panel descriptions and whatnot. So Yeah, I know. I was right. Besides besides some like uh, um, cover art, it, it's really it's really the just all the artwork in, in black and white. Gotcha. Uh, well, anyway... To continue with the story, we're on Nar Shada, which is the smuggler's moon. And Boba Fett has gone to uh, somebody he knows. I guess he's some sort of medic or doctor, somebody who knows technology, <clears throat> so to speak. And Boba Fett is there to make sure that Han Solo doesn't die. Like, fix this. This alarm's going off. And uh, this doctor's like, uh, well, you got a problem. You know, carbonite, it, it's, it's not really that stable. Um, and it's especially not stable if you put something organic inside it. That's not what carbonite is, is meant to do. Um, he's like, Who, whose idea was this anyway? And we know it was Vader's idea. Um, that, that's how he was planning on capturing Luke. Wanted to test it first. They tested it on Han Solo. Um, both had like, it wasn't my, it wasn't my idea. And the doc's like, well, uh, yeah, I could, I could probably stabilize him. So you won't, keep having this problem but um you're gonna have to have to pay me you know cash up front <laughs> Boba Fett's like uh yeah I don't really have any money right now um but you know like this is Han Solo you know he's worth a lot of money to Jabba the Hutt and I'm on my way to go drop him off and get paid and uh the doctor's like yeah Solo he was always a, a pain you know a lot of people always looking for him but uh you know it's not really my my problem um I don't work on credit Boba Fett. You know that. So, you know, money, money up front. And Boba Fett's like, dude, you know me. I'm Boba Fett. Like we go back <laughs> and the doctor's like, yeah, that's exactly why I need the money up front. So you, you get some idea that there's some history there. Maybe Boba Fett has owed him money in the past or whatnot. So the doctor, Dr. Ragon says, well, if you don't have money, maybe, maybe you can do me a favor, right? Maybe you can pay me in another way. And he talks about how he uh, he lost a, a bunch of money on a fighter that he had backed in the uh, in the pits, and this uh, this Kanji hut, you know, much like Jabba the hut. That's the hut is means like kind of warlord or crime lord or whatnot. Well, these uh, these Kanji huts they keep this one particular fighter protected, and this doc ragon has wanted revenge against her but has never been able to do anything because she's protected right so uh Wormen lichter is her name and that's the proposal that the doc is saying here okay you you go and take out this Wormen lichter and i'll stabilize han solo and you know we'll call it even and Boba Fett's like, ah, you know, I don't know if that's the best idea. I, I don't really need the kanji huts after me, too. Like, I got enough problems. And uh, the doc's like, well, um, you don't want to get in my involved in my problems. 
I don't want to get involved with yours. I'm, you know, I'm not going to help you out with uh, your, your Han Solo problem. So let's, or uh, Boba Fett rather, he's kind of stuck in a, in a tough place. Like he, he needs Han Solo alive. <laughs> this is the only way he's got to do it. So the doc's like, yeah, I'll cover your entry fee. And uh, Boba Fett's like, well, why do I have to go fight her in the pits? Can I just kill her now? And the doc's like, well, well you could, but, you know, she is protected and you'd have to get past like a thousand kanji because they do protect her because she's their meal ticket. Um, so fighting in the arena pits, that's really your best choice because in the arena pits, anything goes and then they're not going to be coming after you because you killed her because that's, you know, not necessarily fair fighting, but it's, it's sanctioned fighting, I guess is the way you would say it. And uh, Boba Fett's like, well, that, that might be true, but you know, I do have a reputation this Mandalorian armor I wear is recognizable. Anybody's going to know who I am. And they're, even if you think they won't come after me, I know they will. I don't want to get on their bad side. And the doctor's like, ah, no problem, man. I got some spray paint. We'll, we'll paint you up. Nobody will recognize you. You'll be fine. And uh, Bo Fett thinks about it for a minute. And he's like, it doesn't really have a choice again. He's like, all right. Um, what's the ranking? What's her ranking in the arena? Like how far do I got to go? And the doc's like, weren't you listening? Aren't you paying attention? She's the champion, man. Like, you got to go all the way to the top. So Boba Fett, you know, again, having no choice, agrees to do this. So he goes and signs up, and he's painted all black. And there is a uh, there's a cover, an alternate variant cover, and that's the, the one I got of the regular issue. It's the John Tyler Christopher action figure covers that we've seen that Christopher's done for Marvel characters and Star Wars characters for years now. Um, but the one for issue alpha of war of the bounty hunters, it is Boba Fett all, all black, uh, almost like Darth Vader esque. Um, so he goes, he checks in, he learns about the way it works. Uh, you win your first fight. Oh, and I should also say that Boba Fett goes, signs up with, with the name Django, his father's name, uh, just Django, no Fett, just Django. Uh, so he learns the rules. So basically you fight, and if you win, like you get triple your entry fee and you can choose to quit and keep the money or you can fight again. And if you win, you get triple and it goes on and on as you go up, as you go up the system. So obviously if you don't win, you could be dead. <laughs> it's not really uh, the safest sort of sport, uh, if you will. So we soon see Boba Fett enter the arena. Again, great detailed art from... Uh, from Steve McNiven here and uh, over the next course of the next couple pages. Um, and again, I'm not going to go into detail on every single fight and the, you know, all the dialogue and everything. We do want you to go and check out this book for yourself, but we he can see Boba off. what's that. He cuts heads off period. Yeah. He cuts heads off. He, he kicks butt. <laughs> it shows that, you know, despite what I was saying earlier about Boba Fett, not being all powerful, the guy, the guy can fight, oh, you yeah. know, um, not, not to pull from the prequels too much, but you know, Django Fett did train him, train Boba from a very young age to be a fighter. Like he was never going to be anything else, but a fighter, you know, bounty hunter, maybe, maybe not, but he was always going to be trained to be able to handle himself, to be able to fight. So over the course of the next couple of pages, we, we, we get some really great fight scenes with him basically kicking butt. And uh, talking to some other people behind the scenes after winning his fights. And um, eventually, after winning several fights, he's uh, he has the opponent he wants, right? He's, he's up against Lictor. But it's clear that the people that run the arena pits really favor Lictor. Um, she's always going to be the favorite against anybody that she fights. Uh, and maybe you don't necessarily make as much money betting on her as you would on somebody else, but it's kind of a sure thing. And in order to sort of help that along, it's like they set up when she has fights against somebody, they set up the arena in such a way that gives her an advantage. So we do get to see what she looks like. And she's this like half humanoid, half spider creature. She's got two arms and two legs in terms of like humanoid arms and legs, but then she's got, eight like spider legs that come out of this giant growth on her back that looks like a spider body. And they set up the, 
the pit with like all this wiring and like web looking, uh, which really kind of suits her and the platforms are suspended and Boba Fett looks at her and he's like, okay, I, I guess we're going to do this. Um, and as they start to fight, uh, she even says, set up today reminds me of my home web. Wasn't that nice of them? So again, they, the, the people that run the arena are very much favor uh, Worman Lichter and uh, expect her to win and have, have bet on her. Um, and the one thing that I'll say about the way the character looks, again, this, this time McNiven, I imagine, who, did, who probably did the character design on this, does a great job of creating a character that feels in tone, very much like she suits this era of the Star Wars universe. Like she feels like a character we would have seen had we gotten the, a movie in between Empire and Jedi. Would you agree with that, Manny? Yeah, she she definitely feels like something um, they would encounter. Uh, I, I would go as well. I'll I'll leave it. I'll leave some of my thoughts to to the end of it. But yeah, I, that that's in line with it, definitely. So uh, again, not to go into too much detail about the fight, but uh, it's pretty awesome. Boba Fett uses his jetpack and uh, stays kind of mobile <clears throat> and attempts to get the uh, upper hand on uh, Wormin, but she uses her ability to spin a web to basically pull the jetpack right off of his back, which then leaves Boba Fett at a little bit of a disadvantage. He's just not as mobile. Um, so now that he's kind of stuck on one of the platforms after losing his jetpack, uh, Worman kind of moves in for the kill. Uh, and Boba Fett gets, even though he manages to inflict some damage, he, he sort of takes more damage from Worman than he, than he dishes out. Um, because again, he's just, he's over, he's overmatched because she's got, you know, what, uh, I guess 12 appendages to his four, um, but he manages to maneuver even as he's uh, about to be devoured and uh, Worman's making some comments about, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I had to stab you. Your blood's leaking out. I, I want to save all that, you know, juicy goodness um, and, and basically, you know, suck him dry like a real spider would do. Um, but he manages to maneuver her in such a way that his jetpack is, is behind her um, as she's moving in for the, the killing stroke. And he uses, uh, that jetpack basically to win the fight. He, uh, he explodes it. Um, and everything sort of collapses that part of the web collapses and the platform he's on collapses. And, uh, as it all falls, he, um, he maneuvers it all to basically land on top of her and smashes her. And, uh, and that's how he wins. <laughs> it's bloody. It's cool. Uh, when he goes to collect his winnings, he's covered in her blood. Uh, and he just says, I won. I'll take my credits. And of course the kanji show up and uh, they just lost their, their biggest asset. They just lost their meal ticket. So uh, before Boba Fett can even collect his winnings, they go, oh, we'll, we'll keep your winnings safe for you. Uh, Cause you know, you'll, you'll want to make sure they're safe for your next fight. And Boba Fett doesn't seem to be too surprised about this. He says, Oh, of, of course, of course you guys show up now and there's not going to be uh, another fight. I won. I'm done. And uh, again, these kanji huts are not going to just let it slide. They say, well, you cost us our meal ticket, right? We bet a lot on her and uh, you got to earn that back for us. Or you could just walk away. So uh, Boba Fett figures that uh, discretion is the better part of Valor and says, you know what? We'll call it even. So he gives up all his winnings, which he obviously could use because he's broke right now. That's why the whole reason he got stuck in this mess because he couldn't pay the doctor. Um, so he says, keep it. And he walks off. So goes back to meet up with, uh, with doc Ragon now that he's fulfilled his part of the bargain. And uh, as the scene shifts, we see the doctor getting zapped by somebody. We don't know who. And, uh, but these guys are basically there to steal Han Solo's body. Somehow they found out that Han Solo's body was there uh, and so the doc has managed to stabilize him. Uh, but before Boba Fett can basically get his payment, uh, you know, from the doc in the form of Han Solo being stabilized, 
you know, the whole reason he went through all this trouble, the whole reason he risked his life and, and fought in the arena. Uh, by the time Boba Fett gets back there, the doctor's dead and Han Solo's body is gone. And wouldn't you know it, Boba Fett or uh, Jabba the Hutt rather chooses that time to call or have Bib Fortuna call him. Yeah. Uh, hey, Boba Fett, Jabba's just wondering where Han Solo's body is. Uh, you know, he's kind of impatient. He wants his prize. You're supposed to have delivered it. Uh, he's getting impatient. And, uh, and Boba Fett's like, ah, shit. <laughs> you know, like, what's he going to do? He doesn't even know at this point where Han Solo's body is. Um, and he says, well, do you, you know, Bib, there's no way I'm going to disappoint Jabba. Just tell him it's going to be a minute. Uh, and so begins War of the Bounty Hunters. That's how it all starts. So uh, if you're planning on reading it, like Manny said, uh, this isn't 100% necessary, but it, it, it does set up, right? It's the first step in a bigger story. Uh, what is going to happen? Who, who got the bug? Obviously, it's another bounty hunter. Um, but what does that mean? And how's it all going to play out? And uh, we do get a checklist in the back for May. There's another uh, four issues coming in May, and it crosses over into a lot of the other Star Wars titles. And then obviously we also have the War of the Bounty Hunters uh, series itself, you know, which runs through uh, October. But there's plenty of other uh, crossovers into the Star Wars title, the Darth Vader title, Dr. Aphra title, the Bounty Hunters title. Um, there's an IG-88 one-shot. There's a Bausch one-shot. There's a Four Loam and Zuckus one-shot. There's a Jabba the Hutt one-shot. So... Uh, it's going to be a, a pretty, pretty robust story. Uh, and we're going to be here for it all. And uh, yeah, I thought this was a great start. It was really fun. Like I said, the, the tone felt very much like a, uh, like a Star Wars movie, like it fit into the canon very, very well. And uh, next issue of the actual series, War of the Bounty Hunters, doesn't go on sale till June, the, the second uh, June the second, second, uh, the first week, first Wednesday of June. Um, but we do have more preludes coming uh, later this month with Star Wars 13, Bounty Hunters 12, Darth Vader 12, and Dr. Afra 10. So, yeah, I mean, for me, I thought this was perfect. It was a heck of a lot of fun. Reminded me of my love of Star Wars, even though, like, uh, I kind of agree with Manny that I'm, I've become more of a Star Trek guy as I've gotten older. I think when I was a kid, I liked Star Wars more, but uh kind of shifted as my uh, taste of changes I've gotten older, but yeah, I loved it, man. So what are your thoughts? And, and, and this is, I should also say much like the MCU, I haven't watched a lot of star Wars stuff in, in recent years. I've, I haven't seen a single episode of Mandalorian. <clears throat> I don't know anything about how Boba Fett ties in. I know there's the book of Boba or book of Fett or something. I know it stars a Mandalorian. I know there's a baby Yoda. I know that Grogu. Grogu? Yeah. 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 I think I I think I had heard that recently. I actually heard that of all things on a Rangers baseball broadcast. One <laughs> announcer asked the other, Do you know what do you know the significance of Grogu? And he's like, What are you talking about? But anyway, I don't I say all that to say I, I don't know a lot of recent Star Wars stuff. Um, just what I've gleaned from being on social media and uh, I know like the big reveal at the end and spoilers. If you haven't seen Mandalorian, I think Luke doesn't Luke Skywalker show up in the last episode or something like that. That was a big, a big thing. So Manny's going to have a different perspective on this and he's going to bring some different insight into it that I may not have just because I, I'm not the biggest, neither one of us is the biggest star. I'm sure if we, if we had, a, if we had this, a star Wars expert on here, he could go, Oh yeah. Doc Ragone showed up here and was mentioned in this novel and blah, blah, blah. That's the strength of the Star Wars universe. We're just not those guys. We're going to give don't it to you. don't want to be from... those guys. Yeah, we don't really want to be those guys. If you want to be those guys, listen to the cantina. That's not us. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but I, I say that to say we're going to give you the comic book perspective and a more casual mm -hmm. fan perspective. Um, and I'm going to come at it very much from a comic book angle. Manny's going to be able to bring some insight with what he knows from, from the Mandalorian. So that's just to kind of, you know, let you guys know. And by all means, reach out on social media or leave comments, uh, you know, in the comment section below about things that we missed or may get 
wrong because we don't have that that depth of knowledge. We're happy to have you educate us, um, but Absolutely. we're just going to come at it with as as much knowledge as we have, which is admittedly not a huge amount when it comes to when it comes to Star Wars. So, anyway, uh, let her rip, Manny. What what are your thoughts on uh, on the episode? I think you were going to talk a little bit about uh, about Fett. Yeah. So uh, that what, what I thought about it, it, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It so like you were talking about earlier, filling in that gap between uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It, it's a, it's a whole story that <clears throat> can be self-contained and and just the adventure part of it, like I had mentioned also before, but <clears throat> but it also blends in the Mandalorian in the sense that he he's been getting into all kinds of trouble because of uh, because of Grogu and because of just him trying to trying to get trying to get his like he was just being he was a bounty hunter and he, you know one of the bounties he ended up getting was was the child and it, it completely changed the way he did things but in the meantime he got into all kinds of trouble because of the damn kid and we see now that Boba Fett went through similar similar situations we're just trying to get the this guy who's like frozen in carbonite all you got to do is get him to the Fett to Jabba and no, it's just not. It's just not going to work out that way. So it's it's really nice to see a blend between classic Star Wars, classic settings with with some of the new Star Wars uh, series that we're seeing with the Mandalorian. I, I think it it blends really really well. Uh, it kind of shows that that Mandalorian mentality, that that style of of getting the job done sucks. And and it's something that not only that all Mandalorian have to go through at one point or another for their bounty, and and so I, that's that's I think what's the the brilliant part of it, and it just so happens that just in this prelude we get so much in it uh, from from the fact that he's on his way already, and if he's not melting he's he's at Jabba's already, but uh, like like the beginning of the story says, and it sets it up so well. And I'm so glad that he used it on his tweet. Like it's never that simple. And, and that's, that's probably going to be the theme of it the entire time, because if you think about it, it went from, all right, I, I, I don't have, I got to get this guy fixed. I don't have money. I, uh, and now it's like, I won, but I have money, but I can't get out. So now I don't have money because they let me walk away, but I killed the lady but now I don't have Han and it's like, great. <laughs> so, so he's back to square one. And, and what makes it worse is that now that Java called, I'm sure the first things a Don does like that, somebody in that kind of power, reach out to other bounty hunters who, who are there more, he's more certain about getting the job done. And so it's going to cause way more trouble for Boba and, and it's a it's a journey that I'm very excited to go to go through with him, especially if it's being written by Charles Soule. Yeah, I mean, who's to say that Jabba, you, you know, he like you said, he's the kind of guy that's got his ear to the ground. Who's to say Jabba didn't find out that Boba Fett stopped off on the smuggler's moon and he's having problems. So yeah. for all we know, Jabba sent those guys. Jabba's mm-hmm. the one that told those guys the body was there, offered offered them less money than he was planning on paying Boba Fett. Hey, go get this, go pick up this package for me. Not even telling him what it is, you know, who who knows. And the other thing I I think about with this, not being simple with the length of the series, you know, running through October, um, you know, we have the main war, the bounty hunter story, which Charles soul says, you can just read that. You don't have to read any of the tie-ins. You can just read that. But if you want a richer story, you can read the tie-ins as well. Um, We know this is going to be a, you know, even if it's just the, the six issues of War of the Bounty Hunter, it's still going to be a, a, a very rich, rich story where obviously with the length of it and and Charles tweeting out that screen cap of Boba Fett saying nothing's ever simple. It's not like he's going to go track down these guys that stole the body and then get the body. But like he'll track them down, but Han Solo's body will be somewhere. Else. It's going to be a, mm-hmm. it's going to be a, an ordeal for him. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I wonder is I wonder if anybody at Marvel thought about calling the Star Wars planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Because <laughs> that's kind of the the sense I got 
in the the first at the end of the first issue you know and if anybody's seen that classic steve martin john candy movie it's one of <laughs> yeah. my favorite movies of all time and poor steve martin is it's a simple thing he's just trying to go from fly from new york to chicago just wants to get home for thanksgiving and it's just one misadventure after another yeah. <laughs> the bus breaks down the train breaks down the uh you know his wallet gets stolen the rental car burns like it's just one thing after another and that's that's what boba fett is gonna have he's he's uh i wonder if he'll get a john candy like sidekick probably probably not um but yeah he's steve martin man he's just trying to get to jabba's for thanksgiving with his, uh, <laughs> and he's bringing han solo carbonite as his uh potluck mm-hmm. dish and he's gonna just encounter one thing after another and i'm i'm telling you man i'm all in for it i can't wait to see because this is the thing i was talking about right at the beginning um and, and you know manny had made a really really good point boba fett is not this all-powerful all-knowing the best at everything kind of character that people have kind of built him up to be because everybody liked him and we didn't have anything in canon or on screen time to really refute that but we're getting that here. Like, you know, the alarm starts going off and he's like, Oh, I don't know. Oh crap. I don't know what to do. Hey, Bib, I'll call you back. You know? And he, and now at the end here again, he's just like, Oh man, here we go. Uh, it's going to be a minute. Going to be a minute. If you think about it, the alarm should have gone off though, because of the way he went out in return of the Jedi, his jetpack got caught in the stick and he ended up in the pit. You know, it's, he, he's not, he's not as graceful as everybody makes him yeah. out to think, or he's not as great as everybody makes him out to think if, if that's the way he went out, especially, especially with the way that if, well, you haven't seen it, the way the, uh, the current Mandalorian and then, uh, and then him actually in this issue, Boba Fett used the jetpack and how versatile it is. Uh, we've seen it before. And so, uh, yeah, he's he. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to get, to have him have more personality than than we've probably ever seen before. Because uh, it, it this is this is I think that Charles Soule is really gonna make this make this his. And at the same time, uh, I know that at the end of it, there was that thank you to Lucasfilm to Marvel uh, for for really having his back on it and and uh, having some notes and whatnot to to make sure that it all it all ties in nicely and i think it does like i was saying it, it it's classic star wars with that kind of mandalorian feel that everybody loves right now from disney plus and and so i i'm i haven't honestly i haven't been this excited for a comic book in a while uh, as far as a um like a an event so uh this is gonna be it for me for for right now yeah I, i'm I'm right there with you. I mean, you, you and I have been talking about covering some Star Wars comics. We know that, that there's a demand. Um, you guys love Star Wars uh, and you want to hear us talk about the books. And, and we're trying, you know, it's, it's just a matter of having the time to, to do it. So we uh, we thought this would be the perfect time to jump on board uh, and, and start covering some Star Wars uh, comics for you guys. So we hope you all enjoy it. And yeah, I agree with everything Manny said. Charles Soule's the perfect guy to do this. Um and that's another thing that's so great about this this uh, alpha prelude issue. Nothing here seems out of character from what we know of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing here is like, oh no, he wouldn't act like that, whatever. But so he manages to keep him in character, and and you know, especially in the the scenes where he's fighting in the arena pit, makes him seem, you know, sufficiently badass. But just with those couple lines, like gonna be a minute. And nothing's ever simple. He he injects just the sort of humor and you get a little bit, like you said, of Boba Fett's personality. But none of it contradicts anything that comes before. It doesn't feel out of character from what we know. It doesn't feel out of place. Um, but I'm looking forward to at the end of this War of the Bounty Hunters series of having a much better idea of who Boba Fett is a, as a character. And I think that's the that's the goal. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I thought this was uh, a perfect Boba Fett issue, perfect issue to launch the the series. And Steve McNiven is uh, an absolutely incredible artist. He's the perfect one to do this. He's worked with Charles before. He worked with Charles on The Death of Wolverine. He worked with Charles on Return of Wolverine. So I'm really glad that it's uh, Steve McNiven and uh, and Charles Soule doing this because uh, it's spectacular. And I got to call out the colors of Lord Martin as well. 
uh, especially those uh, the fight scenes, the explosions, all that stuff is rendered really, really well. Um, and uh, the color, again, feels everything feels like we're in the Star Wars universe. You know, like I could just flip mm -hmm. through this comic without reading any of the, you know, the dialogue or any of the exposition or what have you. And it just feels in terms of the line work and the setting and the colors, it feels like a Star Wars book, it feels like a Star Wars story. So kudos to the whole creative team. Um, yeah, I thought this was perfect. So what I will also add about Steve McNiven's art, which is actually showcased in the director's cut, uh, is we're not we're not um, we're not shortchanged, and and I say that because oftentimes in some of these pieces it's easy to omit a background, and it's easy to just kind of leave it leave it blank really because there's there's not much there but there's several panels uh several pages well actually the whole book where the detail in the line work the detail in the shading in the buildings in the characters in the in the, in the suits uh some of the up close of some of the characters uh it's all there and you know it, it's something that I, I really appreciate when I'm when I'm looking at a book because it it, uh, it really goes to show how 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 much more effort more passion has gone gone into it just just that page alone right there uh, uh, the you know the, the detail in the background and in the characters and in that armor I mean just it's it's beautiful and and you see that like I said throughout the book and. And then you add you add the colors to it, and, and it just it just makes for a spectacular book. So uh, you know, with the great story, now you have great art. It's it's a slam dunk, and I don't think I was expecting you know to check all the boxes, and just because sometimes you you can get away with it because of the property, but uh, phenomenal, I, I think. Um, this this is easily. Uh, uh, got me very excited for for the things to come. It's the perfect prelude book to to get going too. Uh, very very good. Uh, some of those scenes also where he's fighting the spider uh, lady. I call it a spider lady. Whatever. Um, um, uh, again, just uh, just great detail in the background and the legs, adding that little hair and everything. Uh, the eyes, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful to look at. Um, it, and for that reason alone, I would suggest picking up the director's cut because uh, you can see it without the color and, and you can see how much work really goes into it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. In the doctor's laboratory, in, in the fight, like all the little details are great. Um, and I particularly noticed after the fight when Boba Fett goes to collect his winnings and he's covered with all the spider blood, how I guess it's a not sure maybe you know manny because of the mandalorian but the little antenna thing or whatever that comes out the side of his helmet is all bent and smoking <laughs> from the explosion i'm like that you know he mcniven's having fun he's paying attention to the details so that's uh that's really cool so uh all right well i think that's it i don't have anything else to add uh looking forward to uh, the next chapter of this uh which obviously will, will come out next wednesday uh and we'll we'll cover it uh, even though it's uh, just another prelude, you know, it's not part of the actual series. Like I said, that doesn't start till June. Uh, but next week, um, coming out on, on May 12th, is Star Wars number 13. Luke Skywalker and Chewbacca head to Nar Shada to hunt down Boba Fett and his prize. Because remember, that's the other part of this that we haven't mentioned. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The very end of Empire Strikes Back, uh, we see that um, Lando and Chewie you know, flew off in uh, the millennium Falcon saying, Hey, we're, we're going to hunt down. We're going to go find Boba Fett. We're going to go, you know, rescue Han Solo. So that's, that's the other part we didn't even mention, you know, Boba is going through his whole planes, trains, and automobiles ordeal, trying to get uh, Han Solo to Jabba while he's being pursued by the, the, you know, <laughs> roster of Star Wars heroes. Can you imagine they all show up. It's like, where's Han at? He's like, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I <don't> sorry. <laughs> if you find him, let me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Anything else to add, Manny? No, just um, we'll, we'll we'll cover all the books in case you just want to do the 
the main story, but you know, if we're going to do this and we're going to do this, we're going to have to do it right. Get all those details in. Yep. A hundred percent. So uh, we hope you guys all enjoyed uh, either listening to this on the podcast or checking it out on the uh, LRM YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate uh, all your support as always. If you are checking it on YouTube on the LRM channel, make sure you smash that subscribe button, hit that yep. notification bell. So you'll know when a uh, new content goes up. Uh, and obviously uh, you know, the more subscribers we have and the, the bigger platform we have, the more access we get and we can bring you coverage of uh, really cool stuff. So uh, we appreciate the support as always, everybody. And we'll talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.